Yo, what is up? You have found We Like the Blazers, and I am your host, Ryan Witty Whitledge. And with me, as always, is my good friend, Mr. Brandon Goldner. Yo, what's happening, man? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yeah. I am here. I am. You didn't pumped. die. I you didn't, didn't die. die. Uh, we just got back from Hood River for our fourth kite surfing lesson. And it, this was the one where it actually started coming together. So I'm like, actually, I was already excited, but now I'm like extra super excited because we're getting on the board with some consistency and actually going for little rides um, as opposed to the lesson I took last time where I was just learning how to get up on the board and I took like a 30 foot face first Superman face plant into the water. So yeah, I'm a little uh, sore, but I'm feeling great and just like full of energy and like ready to rock. Um, nice. Yeah. So me, me, me and my son. So like I, I've been trying to tell the wife that for my birthday this year um, that I want to go skydiving. Now, my birthday's in November, nice. so I'm not entirely sure what the weather is going to be, but I've always wanted to go skydiving. And so I just let her know that like that's a present that I want. And then my son, who is like a tiny little daredevil clone of me, also said that he wants to go skydiving for his 18th birthday. Luckily, I have eight years before that happens <laughs> but i just so happened to come across as i'm scrolling through like google news or whatnot last night um an article talking about the next biggest asteroid that is that is going to be the nearest pass by earth the thing is 1100 feet wide uh it's named apophis and it will pass 20,000 miles away from the Earth. So that's even closer than like most of our satellites and the International Space Station and all that stuff. Yikes. Or, or not International Space Station, but most of the satellites. And so I'm like, oh, yikes. And it's due to uh, it's due to make its crossing um, in eight years on April 13th, which is my son's birthday and is also a Friday the 13th. That sounds like we're going to die. It, a- do- it does. And so I told him, hey, the, re- <laughs> the reward for us living as a species is going to be on the 14th. We can on Saturday, the 14th, we can go skydiving for your 18th birthday. But I don't think that like planetary killing asteroid on a Friday, the 13th is a good day to test fate to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the asteroid would block your descent and like soften your fall. Uh, you know, just you can superhero it, and it's like yeah. if you don't like vaporize or whatnot, like land on it and, and ride it like Bruce Willis. Well, I was like, I've been I've been falling down these YouTube rabbit holes as I tend to do anyway, but because I've been looking at how to get better at, at kite surfing, and there's this one video. This guy apparently hooked up to the back of a boat. And so I don't know. Have you ever been parasailing? I haven't. I have. I have once, and I accidentally kicked a dolphin. So you've kicked a dolphin? What? It was. I was with my ex-wife, and our honeymoon was in uh, was in Maui, and so we went parasailing, and they slowed. We slowed down enough to where like you drug your feet in the water. Right. Did not notice the pot of dolphins jumping right below me, and when my feet drug in the water, I I kicked a dolphin. So I feel. I feel. I feel horrible of that because one of my other lifelong dreams is to swim with dolphins uh i didn't want to immediately get in the water with the pot i had just kicked because i think they're smart and they'd remember and they <laughs> dolphins are notorious rapists and i didn't want them to try to rape <laughs> me as payback but what do you think the percentages of people who've actually kicked a dolphin i feel like it's pretty i think that you're in kind of rare company um I, it's it's probably like uh i should have bought a lotto ticket or something like that after the day <laughs> but. that's wild uh but this this dude had like hooked up to the back of a boat like you would if you were parasailing except for he was kite surfing and but so the kite was serving as the sail and the boat is pulling him and he's getting higher and higher and higher and then he releases and now he's like free falling and 
you know, kite surfing kites, they're not parachutes. They're not meant for going straight down. They're meant for angling, you know, against the wind yep. to, to propel you forward. And so this dude is having to do all these twists and turns in order not to fall out of the sky like a rock. And it looked like he got his lines twisted and it looked like he almost died. So all of this is just to say, A, don't kick any dolphins and B, don't hook yourself up to the back of a boat if you're only using kite surfing gear because that is not for being pulled. That is for letting the wind pull you. Uh, so, so yeah. how many how many more lessons do you have before you're allowed to roam free in the wild? That's actually a great question. So we're going to Hood River. You can do it in the ocean, but in Hood River, they have a good little spot to do it. But it's pretty busy. Um, you basically need to be proficient enough to be able to ride against the wind to, to be able to get back the way you came. And I'm not there yet. Um, I'm guessing it's probably going to take three or four more lessons of two and a half hours a piece. Um, but I will say that we have already bought a couple of, um, kites, uh, and a couple of, um, uh, bars that had the lines on them cause they were on sale. So we're like halfway geared up. We still need to get the harness. We don't have wetsuits. Um, so yeah, it's just to say like if you have a chance to do it like it does take a hot minute to to learn how to control the kite the, the learning curve is pretty steep but it it is so much fun today again like the feeling of just flying across the water even you know 20 seconds at a time for me super super fun so yeah. should i should i be good or proficient or at least you know not embarrassing uh at like wakeboarding behind a boat first because uh, that's a skill i still don't have that's actually yeah, it's a good question i i would say that because so much of it is the kite control that it may not matter because uh, once you get the kite positioned properly once you're able to pop yourself out of the water it's called the water start that's mm -hmm. the part that most people have the most trouble with is just getting started then kind of being pulled a lot of it is sort of instinctual so i don't know if you've ever like skateboarded or snowboarded or like even they say like if you have experience like sliding across an icy sidewalk like if you have that level of balance or like sliding across across the linoleum the linoleum floor with socks on mm -hmm. if you can do that then you got the board part down it probably doesn't hurt but i don't think it's required most of it is the kite's kind of touchy I, I can i can do the uh the tom cruise across the floor in the socks i'm fairly decent yep. at ice skating and rollerblading uh skateboarding i gave up when i broke my arm and the last three <laughs> the last three times that i've went snowboarding i've gotten a concussion so mixed bag for me sounds like you're ready to go yeah yeah what what could happen what could happen what could you what could you do besides kick a river dolphin and then you have bad luck for seven years <laughs> are there so are there river i don't think there's river dolphins we have river whales we have river whales they come up well that's just eh. the insult you call me when you see me in a wetsuit <laughs> a river dolphin a river right. whale Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll hold that. We'll hold that horrible joke back. But all right. So <laughs> I had an entire plan of what I wanted to get into today. And then yeah, the, you did. The, the national narrative just took over. And so I had to strongly pivot and I'm kicking my my idea for next week uh, because I, I hate do I hate it when people do like the individual podcast episodes of where they're like, all right, let's spend this entire episode talking about the guards on the team and whatnot uh, over at uh, yeah. Bla Blazer Tag. 
like I was like we do our preseason roster rankings and whatnot. And I always like to compare at the end of the year. Well, lucky for us here, none of those assholes remember where their list is, and I actually do save it on my computer. So, <laughs> so we will be bringing that to you next week, and I will be forcing you to do research. But until then, the the thing that you wanted to talk about that I said sure we can carve out five minutes for is now going to be our actual in depth conversation today. And oh, that it's is- almost as if I knew what the people wanted to hear, Ryan. Well, yeah, I mean, you argued with them enough of them on Twitter, so maybe maybe there is something to that. You know, I actually, I a quick aside on that, I just, I, I am turning over a new leaf. I'm done being argumentative on Twitter. I've had enough of it. I've done I it will, for... I will believe it when I see it. I've done it for a long time. I do enjoy it, and I actually have got, I, I think I've gotten to the point where, you know, I don't need to use insults or anything like that, but I, I do not mind getting into it with people on Twitter. I'm done. I'm done there. You know, it's just, I, I, I thought about my dear grandmother. I now have what I call the grandma Audrey rule where would my dear sweet grandmother, who's no longer with us, would she be proud of what I'm posting online? And so the, the quick rubric is she was a kind person. She always believed the best in people, gave people the benefit of the doubt. She was super funny, super sarcastic at times, but basically was like a decent human being. I'm going to try for that. We will see how long it lasts. We're on like day two and I think I'm doing pretty good so far, but yeah, I just, I will leave the arguments to other people. I just, maybe I'm just getting too old for it. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just age. I, I like my my approach, and that's when it starts turning hostile. Just turn towards self-depreciating humor. It's kind of like the, yeah. the Eminem, Eminem thing from 8 Mile. You know, if you say everything mean about yourself, then they can't, you know. If you start off your argument going, well, I'm an idiot, but here's what I think. What's What are they going to do? Uh, you're, you're an idiot. It's a, <laughs> it's a great way to diffuse, like, a weird situation. I wish I had known that, like, when I was in middle school and high school. I think that could have served me really well, but... Uh, oh, I was it, in in school. I was the person that anytime anybody tried to pick a fight, I would just act the craziest because nobody wants to fight the crazy guy because you don't know <laughs> what the hell they're gonna do. So yeah, I was I would out crazy everyone, and they'd just be like, "Okay, never mind, I'm walking away." It's a great so, strategy. I dig yeah. it. So the 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 popular topic of the day is is the Blazers coaching job desirable? And there's a bunch of articles out there and whatnot. I have my own rankings. I started getting into it a little bit with you via text thread. Uh, and then also uh, some some people online. But so what I did is, because I had nothing better to do today, is I went through and I looked at all the open coaching vacancies. Uh, so we have the Portland Trail Blazers, Orlando Magic, Boston Celtics, Indiana Pacers, uh, Washington Wizards, New Orleans Pelicans, uh, uh, and did I say Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, I don't I think you that. had, but you did know. Uh, da- Dallas Mavericks. Uh, and so I went through and looked at the top five to six coaching candidates that those teams have. Because And for this, mostly I went with the local beat writers. Because we, as, you know, especially here in Portland, when we read a national media narrative, it is normally completely different than than what our local beat guys get. So yeah. I wanted to look at who the top contenders are because one of the big things on if the coaching job in Portland is desirable is okay. Well, how many overlapping candidates do we have? So I see. So you actually did. You really put in the work. Uh, I put I put in the work. I have three different article tabs sitting up here as a, as reference, and uh, I have yeah. Yeah, I, well, then, I, I ran down this whole damn gambit. I, I'm impressed. Uh, and so with that, though, you know what happens when you have a good idea is that you're the one who has to execute it. So how do you want to steer this ship? Where do you want to begin? Okay, I want to, real quick, I'm, I'm just going to, we're going to talk 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you what I have for my order of what the okay. desirable rankings are. I'll start off with talking about the team, why I have them in that spot, and then I will go over who their main candidates are. Yes, question in the back. Question in the back. Uh, are we including the Milwaukee Bucks on this list? Because I'm pretty sure they're going to be they, looking for a new coach. They are an asterisk that we will talk about after the fact because okay. Mike Budenholzer is a uh, is an interesting candidate to, ta- or to think about because – is he a desirable coaching candidate with what he's sh- why he would get fired from the Bucks with what he's shown? Right, is, and, is a good. And the Bucks are an interesting team for coaches to consider. Like that's, like I, I'll let you go in a second. But that I, I when I think about this, it is that balance of like the places that a coach would want to go and the coaches who are available and how that dynamic plays against itself. And uh, maybe this comes up later, but particularly, I think that like when you have more vacancies you will get coaches or assistant coaches who maybe otherwise wouldn't get a lot of look if there was only one or two positions available. But because there are so many vacancies, multiple teams are interviewing multiple people. And then you may have this like bubble of like new coaches who you wouldn't have considered are now kind of in the running in a way that they wouldn't have been before. It's just an, I don't know. It's just an interesting dynamic. So yeah. yeah. And real quick, before we start this, I want to ask you a question because I know you're kind of going into this somewhat blindly. You know, you follow the same news I do. Do you think that there's a lot of overlap in these seven jobs between candidates? Uh, so you did the work, so you know the answer. So I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, I would, I would have to think there is some overlap and and like, maybe it's not like, let's say that each team has like five people that they like. I'd say probably like, there's going to be a lot of overlap between two or three of those positions and maybe the fourth and fifth are kind of different. That's what I would think. It, yeah, it is. And what I find interesting is that I was right. Oh, but, but the biggest overlap is not in the high profile names. Interesting. Okay. Like the second tier level is where you end up finding a lot of overlap. So I think we'll start this off. The number one desirable coaching job in the league right now. Unequivocally, we can all just say it. Boston Celtics. Yes. Oh, really? Hmm. I have a slightly different take on this, (laughs) but with Boston, I mean, uh, the tandem of of Tatum and and Jalen Brown wing combination, you know, it's yes, there's shake up there, but there's also stability in the franchise and that Brad Stevens has been there and he got elevated. It's not like they're just looking at new people. Um, The expectation will be to win now, but it's probably appealing to get to work with Brad Stevens, who spent time with this roster to build it a little more. Um, And the Eastern Conference is always a little bit of a weaker conference. You do have Boston as being a very storied and historied franchise. There's there's some lore and attractiveness in just being able to say that you were a coach of the Boston Celtics. So I, I have them in my in my number one spot. And they're, real quick, they're, they're top candidates as it stands right now. They are down to their final three because they're moving on to a second round of interviews. Uh, Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, and Ime Udoka. That was quick. They are... Um they're really cracking the whip on that coaching search. And again, this is what it goes back to. It's interesting that if there are other coaches like Mike Budenholzer, who may be available that Boston has maybe already just kind of thought, well, not interested. I think it's smart. They're moving fast though, because if you are one of the more attractive locations, why wait, why not get the person that you want? Um, Yeah. Boston for me is up there. Um, I will say who my number one is, who I think is probably your number two. Actually, you know what? Here's how I want to go. So if if I'm going to, if I'm going to get my number one, 
one when I when I list a team, just tell me where they're at on your list. Got it. Um, and I don't have a list in front of me, so I am going into this very blind and no notes um, because I'm irresponsible like that. Uh, but my number one would be the Dallas Mavericks. That's who it would be for me. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, you said to put them where I thought they would be. Uh, the Celtics, I think, would be number two for me. Okay, number two. Sorry. All right. Um, so for me, in, in my second ranking, this is now where we get a little bit controversial and where I got a lot of internet blowback. I put Portland as the second on this list. Ahead, uh, uh, the, there is... Ooh. With the, Ooh there's, I don't know. There's... there's I mean, for us locally, we see a lot more turmoil and upheaval and whatnot and question. I, I love how people are like, oh, how attractive is the team if, you know, if the team's going to be selling. If the team sells, it's not moving. And yes, there is normally some ownership shakeups and whatnot, but I, I think that the Blazers are are at best the best short-term solution. You know, uh, you still, you're looking at a lineup if, you know, depending on how things go with off-season signings or trades of basically Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, hopefully Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic. That's a great team to walk into. Um, Why do you, hold on. Why do you think the team wouldn't move if they were sold? That, I, I don't understand that. The league won't allow it. The league's been looking at expansion. They uh, Coming off of the pandemic, every major sports league, I think outside the NFL, because they're just still a money-printing money machine, is looking at expanding because the expansion fees just to get the right to spend more money is $2 billion. Isn't there like a whole kerfuffle, though, in Minnesota about uh, Robert Sarver and like he like didn't put a clause that prevented it from being moved, and now the, the minority ownership is pissed at him that there is not a no move clause like i thought there's this whole thing okay but you still but you still need league approval yeah so i i guess i what i would say is like i i don't know if selling the team makes it more likely that they would move but i don't think that selling the team makes it any less likely that they would move like if the only way that i would be worried that the trailblazers franchise would move if there was already a team reestablished in seattle they will not give up on the footprint of the entire northwest section of the country. No matter how much that sec- and the Blazers tend to be like the little brother of the NBA, I just don't see that happening. And especially with the bad optics that everyone still has bad taste in their mouth from the Celtics, or not Celtics, the Sonics previously, and now you're going to take their I-5 rival just down the road away as well. Yeah, I, I think a, I think I th- I think Silver's smarter than that. This is a topic for another day, but so all yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was just curious about that point. Um, yeah. Okay, so continue, Blazers. Anyways, I I just think, and you may call it my hometown bias. I think it is a great situation. There is a lot of win now expectations. Um, coming in and there is the little bit of the hiccup of like hey so if the team doesn't perform is Olshay out the door you know and with that will there be a you know a new coach that or a new GM that comes in and, and brings in his own coaching guy I, I don't think that it matters and I think that especially with the list of candidates that the Blazers are looking at you know they're uh let me scroll up here real quick uh they have you know Chauncey Billups uh Mike D'Antoni uh Becky Hammond Don Staley Brent Berry and you know there was the brief kerfuffle of Eric Spolster or whatever but but with those I view enough hubris and cockiness uh in some of those first-time candidates that you know, especially with them being former players and whatnot, that they can come in and be like, no, I can fix that. I can do better with that. You know, I I read something the other day where it was that 
it's assumed that Mike D'Antoni could come in and it's a perfect situation for him because if he fixes it, he looks great. But if it doesn't work, oh, well, he'll get a coaching job somewhere else. Uh, I don't want that in a new head coach. I don't want somebody to just go, oh, well, if it doesn't work here, I'll get something else. I want you to come in and give a fuck. And so, you know, that's when I look at Billups and Hammond and, you know, Don Staley. And I'm like, those are people who will come in and give a fuck and actually will probably interview and take the job because they think that they can do it. And Damian Lillard is a, you know, top five to top 10 player in the league. Why wouldn't you want to play with him? That's true. I have a couple reservations about this Blazers team if I were a coach, though. Um, one is that Damian Lillard is an aging star. He's 30, right? Um, a second one is your point about Neil Olshay that, you know, he's on a thin, he's on thin ice. And I think it's very possible, if not likely, that he gets fired after this next season, if not before. Um, I think the ownership situation, whether or not they actually change ownership or the team sells, uh, leaving that part aside, Jody Allen's ownership style is not really well known. Now, I, there's not a lot of history to, to ask people, how is it to work with this person? Like, you can't really do that. Can't feel that out. I think that's a problem. Uh, I don't know if this roster is going to stay the same, if CJ McCollum is going to stay on the team. I don't think the team has a championship ceiling, in my opinion. But if you trade him, what are you going to get back? Like, There are a lot of unknowns here. I think the biggest thing, if I were a coach and why I'd be concerned about coming to the Blazers, is that we don't know what's happening with the general manager. And this is where I, I don't mean to... Um, I think there are like a couple different subtopics that we could talk about related to this. Mm. One of them are, are the coaches we might want to see, but another is kind of how do we evaluate Neil Olshay and think about the way that the Blazers are running their coaching search. And so I'm going to really briefly on that point say, I think Blazers ownership, Jody Allen and Vulcan have a stronger hand in this coaching search than people might realize. And the reason why I think that is we, we, we heard those rumblings about the Blazers going after Eric Spolstra, right? Mm -hmm. And my understanding, and this is one of the very rare times that I can say that somebody gave me some information and I trust well, it. Both you and I had sources that whole day we were texting about yes, with this. Yes, exactly. I don't think we've had a chance to talk about it on the pod though, right? No. Okay, so I, but really briefly, because I, I want to respect your structure here, but really briefly, I think that Blazers ownership has more to do with this coaching search than we might realize, which would actually make it more likely that a coach would want to come here if they know ownership is running the coaching search and therefore there's more stability. But the reason why I think that is it is my understanding, I'm not reporting this is a fact, but it's my understanding, I have reason to believe, that Vulcan, they were the ones pitching Eric Spolstra, and it was it was coming from over Neil Olshay's head, that, that that trying to get Eric Spolstra to Portland was not Neil Olshay, it was specifically Vulcan. That is why I think that maybe ownership has more of a hand in this coaching search than we might think, um, but leaving that aside, all those reasons I just talked about, the Blazers were not number two on my list. A, a, uh, a devil's advocate that I could make for the... Uh, um a little bit of pushback or whatnot, even though even though I slightly agree with you on the uh, Vulcan going over Olshay's head, I could also see it as that the Huber Jody Allen being a quote unquote new owner. I'm a, I'm going to say that she still gets the final say, but uh, if you're going to talk about Vulcan, I'm viewing that as a lot more of Burt Cold. Um, I yeah. I could see the hubris being that 
discussing Eric Spolstra and Neil O'Shea saying that's not going to happen because he's a little more interconnected in the league than, you know, Burt Cole or anybody, any of the other higher ups within Vulcan. And they're going, well, I mean, why aren't we trying? And O'Shea kind of viewing it as that I'm not going to waste my time in this coaching search just to get told no when I know the answer is no. And and then Vulcan going ahead and trying on their own, not necessarily a going over his head. But I'll give the benefit of the doubt a little bit to Olshay in that maybe that was a thing in which he goes, it's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, well, we think that, you know, it could happen. Representatives from Vulcan try themselves and it doesn't happen. And Neil O'Shea gets to sit back, pet his little white cat and say, see, I told you so. I <laughs> I like that, but I have a different take. So this is not coming from a source. This is purely me. I think the explanation is 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 simple. They were going to let Eric Spolstra have some general manager authority of some sort. Because, like an assistant general manager role or something like that. Yeah, because in my view, that's the only way you'd get him out of Miami. Because I don't think if you say, hey, come be our coach. He's like, well, I'm already a coach here. I think if you, get, if you, if you say, come be our coach and you have personnel power, I think that becomes more attractive. And so in my view, if that did happen, if that's why Vulcan went to Miami to try to get Eric Spolstra, then I think it suggests that Olshay's power may be waning. I think it suggests that maybe Vulcan is, has a, a stronger hand in this coaching search than we might have expected to begin with, which, if true, I think actually bodes well for the Blazers because, again, whether he is or not, it's perceived that Olshay is on thin ice. If I were a coach, I'd be wary of that. But if it were ownership saying, hey, we're going to be here, don't worry about it, your job is secure, then that might make me feel safer as a coach. So Yeah, but I, I agree. That, that, was a, that was a fun three and a half hours to hope and dream. Wasn't oh it? man, it was just oh, so many hopes and dreams. It would just that would be incredible. I mean, because he really is one of the premier coaches, and he's still young, and he's from Portland. And I, you know, if he took the Olshay's job as well, I'd be happy about that because I don't like the Olshay very much. So, <laughs> but yeah, the Blazers. All that to say, they're not second on my list. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, my third. I guarantee this will be massively controversial, and very few people will agree with such a high ranking. But my third is I have the Orlando Magic. What? And the, yep. In third Why? place, I, I have the Orlando Magic. So I will say, you think people coach, really like Disney that much? Come on, hold man. on. Their their, uh, their current candidates are Clippers assistant Kenny Atkinson, Becky Hammond, Lakers assistant Jason Kidd, uh, Bucks assistant uh, Darvin Ham, Nets assistant Ime Odoku, and Nuggets assistant Wes Unsled Jr. Okay. So the the biggest appeal for them is that you know. A, a rebuild is not the worst place to be for a first-time coach. Uh, and you're looking at that list and you're getting a lot of first-time head coaching jobs. You know in that kind in that case that you're probably gonna be playing out the first first contract that you get because as long as you know you're there you're getting draft picks I, I think they have two top 10 picks just even this year but uh it there's a job security and there's a, a little bit of a relief for for a first year or first timer to be able to come in and again it's in florida great weather outside of hurricane season and no taxes so that's why I'm, that's why i'm ranking them that high that's interesting uh I See, will... now, now, the other thing is, I will say, all of this list is completely subjective and, and whatnot with, well, yeah. with all of this. But uh, if if anybody's interested, hold on, I got it on my phone here real quick. I got to look, look this up for half a second. I can, because I can. It was, 
It was a very interesting premise. But over on Basketball News, uh, Vinny Del Negro wrote this piece uh, back in November of 2020. And he was talking about when he was interviewing for head coaching jobs and talking about the difference between the process, between teams. He's saying, when I interviewed for this Lakers job, it was completely different from when I interviewed for this other job or for the Bulls job or whatnot. And, And what the thought process is based off your experience as a coach when you're looking at jobs. And in that piece, he did touch on that there is massive appeal in going to a rebuild such as the Orlando Magic. Now, granted, like I said, this piece was written back in 2020, so we can't directly reference this current coaching search, but a lot of the things that he says do apply. I think that what you're saying, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that this kind of a coaching job would be appealing to a certain kind of coach. Yes. Okay. And that's and that's why, like, if you look at their list, you know, the Kenny Atkinson, Becky Hammond, De- uh, you know, Darvin Harm, Ime Odoku, Wes Unsled, you know, it's you're not getting the Mike D'Antonis or whatnot. I think Jason Kidd is the most experienced head coach on their list. So, so wait, but I think this brings up a good question of of how you ranked this, and I I don't mean to pick at it too much, but just to say, like, I guess when I think of like which team is the most attractive. I think about which team is the most attractive for the best possible coach. So like a hypothetical Eric Spolstra has to pick somewhere to be, or Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr has to pick somewhere to be, which team where they would they want to go to, but that's not how you're evaluating it. You're doing it a little bit differently, which I think is interesting and totally valid. Um, Well, because you need to take all those factors into account. No different than like we say Portland can't get free agents or whatnot because, you know, it's it's not a certain place to live. It doesn't have a certain percentage of an African-American population or, you know, the tax rate is too high. And that's why Texas gets so many so many things and that the tax thing in L.A. is canceled out because you're in Hollywood. There are all these different factors besides just looking at a roster and going, hey, these are the guys that I have. Right. But I think that like I, I what I hear you saying is that Orlando is is appealing to a new coach because they have a, a softer landing if things don't go well that they're not going to immediately be judged and ridiculed and you know possibly mm-hmm. hurt their reputation um and even no matter no matter like a new coach or or like you know I don't think a Mike D'Antoni is going to go there or whatnot but even, no. even somebody even somebody no, wants, he's not but if Mike D'Antoni wants, is not going to the Orlando Magic sorry I don't know what that is I don't know what yeah, that, would, that is never do that again but but again it's <laughs> no promises. it's, it's uh, you have at least a four-year job security and i think that is an extremely also important for somebody looking at being a head coach i will say actually i'll play devil's advocate to myself a job like Orlando is also somewhere where you could possibly win coach of the year if you turn it around. Like if the roster gets better a little bit and someone develops and like you're a better coach. And so, yeah. Um, whereas the the chances of getting, you know, like a coach of the year in somewhere like Portland where they were already a pretty solid playoff team, like less likely, right? Cause coach of the year is basically like, how much did your team improve? And like almost nothing else goes into that kind of like, anyway. Um, all right. Orlando. Interesting. Uh, so they were not very high on my list and it's because again, I was thinking of the best possible coach where they would want to go. They don't really have many great players on their team right now. Uh, They do have cap space, which is great. Um, And they are in Florida. So yeah, they were, they were in the lower tier on my list. Yeah. Okay. So my, uh, my next one after, or after uh, after Orlando is, and again, just because I know I'm leaving some high profile names off here. My next one is Indiana. This is just so weird. Okay. It's because so, it's because of Sabonis, isn't it? You're just a big Sabonis guy. 
Well, I, well, I mean, yeah, I like, his, <laughs> I, I like his dad, and I think that, he, I, as an aside, he is an oddly gorgeous man. He is a which, beautiful man, absolutely, oh, yes. yeah, 100%. Yeah. But so they're, they're top candidates right now, and everyone that I list first in these, when I say what their candidates are, the first name that I name is their current number one, based okay. off what I could find. So they're number one, Terry Stotts. They, again, are looking at Kenny <laughs> Atkinson. Chauncey Billups is on there. Brett Brown, uh, Miami Heat assistant Dan Craig. And uh, this is the one and only time, or no, the first time that I come across Mark Jackson's name being on the list. Yikes. Uh, Mark, what, Mark Jackson? I, oof, I don't get that at all. Okay. I've never understood the, the coaching appeal with him but you know with with the Pacers it's um, they finished the last season they were 14th in both offensive and defensive efficiency um, there's there's the, the tools there you know with some uh, Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon Karis LeVert Miles Turner TJ Warren that's you know it's not bad and I think that's a good landing place for someone like Stotts because Indiana doesn't have a lot of expectations yeah. you know it, it, it's like like they're not a championship or bus team. They're just kind of a do a little better than we did last time. And, and in all actuality, the only reason that this Pacers job is opened up is because their coach that they just fired after one year was a complete and utter effing asshole. Yeah, Nate Bjorkren, who was a long time, well, maybe not long time, was an assistant in Toronto. Great X's and O's coach. Kind of an asshole, and it turns out the kind of an asshole part is actually more important in 2021. Like, you can have your assistants run the offense or run the defense and have that filter through you, but, like, ego and player management is a huge part of coaching. In fact, I think I would argue the most important part. Uh, The interesting thing about Terry Stotts, too. I was going to say kudos to Pritchard for Kevin Pritchard for coming out and and saying, like, hey, my bad. We done effed up, so we're going to take a little bit of time. Well, would you look at that? A general manager actually taking accountability. Unreal. I wouldn't know know anything about that here in Portland. So the interesting thing about Terry Stotts, too, is that even people who didn't really like him here in Portland would admit that he can get lesser talented rosters to overachieve. And the Pacers have some talent. Like, I'm not saying that they don't. They really do. Um, And I think that would be a great fit. And I would say that, to me, from the beginning, the rumblings were that Terry Stotts would end up in Indiana. So at this point, I'd actually be surprised if he didn't um, end up there. Uh, I will say for myself, Indiana was also not very high on my list. They were kind of near the bottom, um, near the middle of the bottom. I, again, I don't have it written down, so I can't give this, you a number. Like five, six for me out of these seven was probably uh, what Great. Let me see. So that is currently on to do, 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 do. There, there are my four. There we go. That's that's where we're at in the listing. So yeah, four. we have three I mean, more. Yeah, two of which I'm shocked that you haven't mentioned. But again, I think it, when you say the next one, I'll explain why the way that I evaluated it was maybe a little bit different from you. Okay, great. So you know that I have the Dallas Mavericks next. I didn't know that, but I was hoping it was either them or the Pelicans. So with with Dallas, their top candidates right now are their their current defense, well, quote unquote, current defensive assistant uh, Jamal Mosley. Uh, that is a favorite of uh, Luka Doncic's, which as we've talked about well here with Damian Lillard and preferred candidates, kind of important. If Luka's gonna advocate for for him, then it's probably his job to lose. They also have Jason Kidd, Terry Stotts. Interesting to. See see in local media come up on their list because if they just let go i mean i 
know that Stotts didn't coach Luca, so they don't know each other as having worked together before. But interesting to get the uh, the Rick Carlisle disciple, and he worked with <laughs> Dirk, and Dirk is now like some special advisor to Mark Cuban because Mark yeah. Cuban pissed everybody off, and Bob Vulgaris is pissing everyone off, and yeah, anyway, yeah, and uh, then they have the Slovenian national team coach who. I'm going to give a shot on his last name. I'm not even going to try for his first name, but it's uh, Kokoslav. Sure. Oh, yeah, Kokoslav. Yeah, but totally anyways, that dude. Yes. He, uh, he's a Slovenian national team coach, and he coached Luka Doncic for two years before he came over to the NBA and actually won some of their championships over there. So there is obviously a history of success. And then, of course, Becky Hammond. Interesting. Okay. So huh. my why I have, before you say why you had Dallas higher, but wh- my thing with Dallas is that, like, right now, if you look at them, they have their front office going back. I mean, I think it was just this year and the last year or whatnot. They have a front office with a history of sexually abusive behavior. Uh, you know, the standing piece comes out in The Athletic talking about all the dis- this dysfunction on and and uh you know don nelson and everything and mark cuban literally calls the article bullshit on twitter and then goes ahead and fires nelson who i believe his tenure in that spot is longer than cuban's ownership so he had He's, been there he had been there longer in some form with the organization in yes, a management in role some for, form for, yeah. yeah for longer than cuban had owned it well i you remember know? his, his and, dad don nelson right was legendary coach who coached in, in dallas for a while so. exactly and then you know after all that's after all that said you know rick carlisle goes in and sits down and has a meeting about what the future is and decides to say you know what i'm good i got two years left on my deal uh i'm out so there's obviously a ma- there's a massive amount of dysfunction there and then if you want to mix that with uh the rumors that luca's developing this diva attitude and then even after right after they got bounced in the playoffs you know perzingis is talking and i know you can make the the um uh connection between like what porzingis saying he's unhappy and underutilizing nurk saying the same thing or whatever but there is that porzingis unhappiness and like how if somebody can come in and maximize his stuff, but I'm just saying like how attractive is, I think their franchise for as much quote unquote turmoil as, as us blazer fans think the blazers are in. I think there's a lot more turmoil going on right now in Dallas. Now, the one caveat you get is that Luka Doncic is a very young generational superstar who is getting ready to sign his brand new max extension. So how appealing is just the option of, of coaching Luka does that outweigh absolutely everything else that appears to be going the fuck on in Dallas? I I think that is kind of the most important thing. So, well, yeah. Is Luka a better player than Damian Lillard? Yes. Yeah. Currently, right now, you think he is? Or is it? Yep. are you only factoring in the age? I think he's currently a slightly better player. Not the leader Dame is, and I think that there's more to being a... How you can elevate the rest of your team part of it. Um, and I think that really matters, but yeah, I'd say Luke is better than Dame. I, sorry. I mean, that kind of, it pains me to say a little bit and it's funny how easily, how easy yeah, it was for me to say that. just rolled off the tongue. It dude. did. I, I hadn't thought about that really. So that was my, that was my gut reaction. I think Luca is, but I think that's the most important thing. And that's why I have Dallas very, very high on my list is that you do have a generational superstar in Luka Doncic. And if the Blazers organizational, you know, discontinuity that they, that the GM may be on the, on ice and they, they needed a, uh, 
ownership needs to figure their stuff out. Like that could probably be forgiven if Dame were like 24 or 25, but Dame's not. Dame's 30. And Luca is what, 23, 22? Um, yeah. And that matters a lot. So if I'm a coach, that's what I would be saying to myself is, you know, fuck everything else. I have the opportunity to coach somebody who could be like a multi time MVP. And that kind of opportunity just doesn't really come around kind of ever. And if you are a really good coach, like that's something you take advantage of. And and for Rick Carlisle, I'll just say, by the way, people who are saying, oh, we don't want Rick Carlisle in Portland. He's basically Terry Stotts. Like they are completely different coaches. They are very, very different in a lot of different ways from strategy to how much they've adapted over time to Rick Carlisle is an asshole and Terry Stotts is not like look at Rick Carlisle. When he left Dallas, he had this list of people he, he wanted to thank. He thanked Mark Cuban. He thanked Dirk. You know who wasn't on that list? Luka Doncic. He's the best player on his team. He didn't even think of like this. Because the, I mean, half the reason he was out is because there was the quote unquote friction developing between right. them. So like, I, like for people saying that Rick Carlisle is strategically personality wise, adaptability is not like Terry Stotts. The fact that Stotts coached under him doesn't make them the same person. So, but just to say that I, I if I were a coach, I would be looking very, very strongly at that job. Now, with that being said, I, I, I do think you have to look at the Bob Vulgaris stuff, Mark Cuban's meddling that Donnie Nelson was fired. I think it is a good move that they're bringing Dirk Nowitzki on as like a special advisor to help with the coaching search. And I, I think you mentioned special earlier. advisor. I think he's a safety bubble between ownership and whoever the f they hire. He is literally there to just play like divider. That's great, and that's hey, maybe if Mark Cuban is is realizing, hey, I should take a half step back a quarter step back he's one of the most active owners in the league I mean he's effectively been the GM in Dallas the entire time like Donnie Nelson had the title Mark Cuban was making the decisions nothing happened without Mark Cuban making it happen I mean 2011 they win the title and then Mark Cuban gets cheap and doesn't bring the band back together and then they're not as good next year it's like you could have won another title so anyway all this just to say if I'm a coach I'm looking at Luca he's young he's a generational superstar that's attractive to me so that's why I had Dallas very high up my hot take, I don't think that highly, Aluka. I have Dame head really? sh- I have Dame head and shoulders above him. I would re- I don't if you know, were man. if you were to, if you were to give me the option like blank slate and say you can build a team around Luka Doncic right now and you can build a team around Dame right now and I'm just going to take age out of the equation just style of play yeah, leadership one year, all that kind year. of stuff give me one year of either one of those Dame hands down not even close I don't know man like uh, Luka is a very talented scorer he is bigger. I think the media likes doing nothing but beating themselves off to Luca, and it drives me insane. I think it's because he's really good. He's really good, but he's a whiny bitch and he's a horrible Who leader. Who cares? Okay, that it, at some point, and there's something to be said about there being is. a good leader if you're going to be the face of the franchise. There totally is. I also think that with that level of talent, it's not like everyone hates Luca. That's not the issue. Like he's just not. He's you know he is a little whiny. He's well, he's been the shit since he was like 16 and playing on freaking teams. A overseas. lot of NBA players are in the exact same boat, which is why ego management is an important part of coaching, right? Like, which I think is is where I don't Rick, think Luca wants his ego managed at all. I think he wants a yes man coach. Probably not. One more thing about the Rick Carlisle Terry Stott stuff, just because it pisses me off so much when I see that and. 
I'm not doing it on Twitter anymore, but I guess I can still do it on the podcast. Sorry, Grandma. But like, I, <laughs> I, you get a lot more than 240 characters to do it on a podcast, though. So nuance and, and and inflection can be uh, obtained. Can help. Yeah, you can actually hear people's tone of voice. The I, the funniest part about uh, the uh, Rick Carlisle, Terry Stott stuff is like when Jason Kidd was there as a player. And right before Dallas won their championship, Rick Carlisle, as he is wont to do, was trying to get Jason Kidd to play a certain way, riding him pretty hard. Do you know the person who told them to ease off of Jason Kidd and let him do his thing? That person's name was Terrence Stotts. So, like, that is a, it's a very clear demarcation between the styles of those two coaches. And I actually, I think that Rick Carlisle has probably benefited from having ownership has had his back and you know to mark cuban's credit or whatever like he i think cuban's got a lot of problems is not the best manager in the world and that's why carlisle left but like he had carlisle's back like all the way till the end like i i believe it when carlisle says it was my decision i totally do believe that so but and i do think carlisle will struggle in in without ownership having his back so much i think he's going to struggle a little bit so anyway but all this is to say for me if i were a coach dallas would definitely be way up there Okay. All right. Well, you're one of those media slews then. But Luke speaking, is good. All right. We're going to argue about that some other time, but yeah, yep. he's really good. S- speaking of generational superstars, the next uh, job on my list, which is second to last, is the New Orleans Pelicans, because this is a franchise that is rumored to now be running out its second number one pick in the matter, uh, in the manner of a decade. Uh, Anthony Davis didn't want to play there, forced his way over to LA, and now there's rumors that you know Zion Williamson and his family prefer that he not play uh, in such a small crap hole of a town as New Orleans or whatever and that the Pelicans franchise is kind of a little bit of a joke. Uh, I love the fact that you know people try to justify of like yeah but would he really likely uh, uh, try to give up like a range of about like 70 million dollars extra that New Orleans can offer him? Yes we've seen other people do this or force their way into a sign and trade because players have so much power that they can do that. He's not going to give up money and if he goes to a different or quote-unquote bigger market i mean everyone's thinking that he's making lovey-dovey eyes with new york uh i yeah to go and play in new york and get the marketing opportunities that he would have there i think he would roll his eyes at 70 million dollars because he can make that up in a heartbeat yeah i i think that's i think that's fair it's definitely concerning seeing those comments from zion williamson's zion williamson's family and also like we're at the point in the nba where if players want to go somewhere they're going to figure out a way to go um i yeah, also con- contract money just doesn't mean what it used to anymore you have no besides just shoe deals which used to be like a, a secondary source of income you know like back before jordan made it or the jordan days exploded it um beside you have your main contract you have your shoe everybody gets a shoe deal uh you have your social media marketing which you know paid ads or whatnot uh hell that works um you know your own personal endorsements you're not just relying on local tv deals you're seeing all sorts of stars get national deals no matter how big uh the the contract money is no longer enough and you can build a market and make up your money elsewhere yeah i would say though like for zion saying well i want to be somewhere else that's fine if he does but i don't think that anyone can use oh they didn't build a winner around me as the excuse because he's been there for two years like they haven't really he he just this season crossed playing 82 games in two years right that's like like greg odin ish Right, and he's not a super-duper star like Luka Doncic. Um, He may get there still, and he has flashes, but he's not there. And yeah, there just hasn't been a lot of time. 
by contrast, someone like, for example, Damian Lillard, you know, he, there's been nine years where you could have crafted a championship roster around him, and they, you know, Blazers have mm-hmm. not done that if, unless you maybe count uh, 2015 before West got injured. But I, I actually had the Pelicans pretty high on my list, but I, I, the more I think about it, the more they may be dropping a little bit. Um, because if Zion doesn't want to be there, then it's it, again, it's sort of like the young star is what's mm-hmm. interesting about it. And I do think that maybe if if you have the right coach and David Griffin, you know, pulls his head out of his ass and, and makes some moves, like I think the Ingram Lonzo Ball Zion thing is like just maybe that works in theory, but it's not working in practice. Like they he needs to sort that out. Um, so some different players, a different coach. I could see Zion maybe being a an upper level kind of like you know second team All NBA type of talent. Did he even make All NBA this year, Zion? I, I don't think he did. I don't have the list directly in front of me, but I don't think he did. I'm gonna have uh, to the, Google the, that. One of the other things too is like I touched on it with you know I don't think it's as big of a deal for the Blazers because I don't think they'll be moving or anything. Uh, but also I believe the lease is up for New Orleans in their building after next season and they have made absolutely zero attempt to work out an extension or anything like that so it's they have a lot more ownership stuff hanging over their head than i think even the blazers do right now so that 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 plays into it um right now their top candidates are nets assistant jackie vaughn who a lot of people like for the blazers uh ime odoku again he is probably the the most crossed over which people are the most pissed that he's not on the blazers list uh bucks assistant uh charles lee and once again jason kidd Interesting, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, again, like, honestly, the Pelicans were pretty high on my list, but after thinking about it and talking about it, like, maybe they're falling a little bit. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I don't and know. And I think we're all in agreement that Washington Wizards close out the bottom because wah, I mean, wah, wah. Washington's kind of been a joke of a franchise laughing stock of it for a little while. Real quick, their, yeah. their, their top candidates are Wes Unsell Jr., again, 76ers assistant Sam Castle, uh, Becky Hammond, Mark Jackson, and their own assistant in-house Robert Pack. So, I mean, Bradley Beal, I think he's on like the last year of his deal. Uh, Russell Westbrook, how much more can you get out of him is is are, are him and beal going to be able to play together there's just so many questions hanging over the wizards uh i mean they have a couple good pieces you know like a Rory hachimura and whatnot but yeah that to me is just easily the least desirable job that there is same if i were a coach i don't know why i'd want to be there honestly no offense yeah so just to clarify then my list goes boston one portland two orlando three indiana four dallas five new orleans six and Wizards seventh uh, I will say, because we said we'd touch on it, uh, the minute that Mike Budenholzer gets fired, uh, you can just vault Milwaukee to the top of that list and kick everybody down a spot. Yeah, interesting. Yep, I think so. I think that's right. Uh, Milwaukee has a ton of talent. Antetokounmpo's under contract for a while. They should be a better team than they've shown. So, yeah, I, I think that they... I don't know their contract situation, but I think that they're able to bring their main pieces back around Giannis. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. That'd be the most attractive place for me too. All right. So that wraps up our, our little bit of a coaching talk. We are going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about uh change in Blazers broadcasting. That's the, I don't know. That's the interlude music. Okay, and we're back. Everybody uh, everybody survived that pee break? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it sprayed all over the walls, on the floor, you know, got a little bit on my cat. So, 
but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Why is, why is your cat so close to you when you're taking a leak, man? I don't know. Actually, I will say, though, like, sometimes when I'm, like, taking a poop, like, my cat will come up and, like, hang out. Like, you know, she thinks it's, like, hangout time, and I'm just sitting there on the toilet, like... You know. My little my little Chihuahua dog just sits and stares. Yeah, like, you have those I, people. You see those pictures? The cats like climb inside of their you know their underwear and they kind of hang out there. You know, pants at your ankles type of thing. Cats is chilling in there. A little warm spot to be. Not a cat person. Didn't know that was a thing. Kind of disgusted. You need Apparently to wash it your, is. You I need would, to wash your cat more. I'm glad that uh, my cats don't do that. I, one cat doesn't shed a, a ton. The other cat does. Glad that doesn't happen with a cat that sheds a ton. That would not be pleasant at all. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't allow that for the same reason. Just don't, don't need any extra cat hair down there at all. It's fine. It's fine the way it is. So outside of this, uh, this, you know, all these coaching vacancies in the NBA, it, it's funny because it, like, midway through the week, I'm thinking about like us recording, and I'm like, what the f are we going to talk about? Like, seriously, like how, how many times can you have a coaching discussion? I thought we were going to spend most of the episode or most of this, you know, doing roster rankings, bring up the Eric Spolster thing, and then you know, hey, well, that was a good 20 minute pod. See you next week. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, somehow, some way, the basketball gods giveth, and we have all this news, and we get to talk about all these vacancies and you know rank them and rate them and hey that'll actually play into a search algorithm hopefully but uh and then the other bit is that the uh blazers have blazers broadcasting which is their in-house broadcasting has nothing to do with root sports on this end uh have parted ways with jordan kent and are opening the door for the rumored return of kevin calabro now for those that aren't up to speed uh kent finished out the quote-unquote bubble season remotely after calabro cited concerns about covid safety protocols and his desire to spend more time with his family i think it was build more as a retirement if i'm not mistaken when he stepped away um so then at the start of this season kent was offered the full uh full-time play-by-play duties um and that was his first official time as a play-by-play guy so that was rather impressive he had never done play-by-play before for anything other than like esports games occasionally um you know, he had been in studio with Blazers Broadcasting for a while, doing some pre and post with Brooke and, and all that. But he stepped in raw, never having called a game, and called most of the games remotely from the Blazers Broadcasting studio. And even when they made it back into the arena when fans were allowed in and they were expanding that kind of stuff, they weren't down on the sidelines. He was sitting way, way up in the rafters and whatnot. So I I. Th- I was rather impressed by him. He was growing on me. You know, I know some of his euphemisms that he threw out there and whatnot were a little stretched out. But again, you have a guy who this is his first full-time year. I I was impressed. And I thought him and Kent had had a great relationship. Uh, they just needed to swap sides. Uh, Kent was sitting on the wrong side, and so was uh, Lamar Hurd. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Heard should always be on the left-hand side. That's just how broadcasting goes. Um, but I thought they were building a great rapport. And for one, that easily gave uh, Blazers Broadcasting the sexiest broadcasting duo of anyone in the league, hands down. Not going to lie. Those and are some best gorgeous dressed. men. Yeah. Exactly. Those were some dapper people. But yeah, so Calabro sat out the 2021 season, and, uh, and he, apparently he now has the itch to return to the booth, and the Blazers are making a hard push for him. I mean, what? I have I have my thoughts and feelings on this. I'll dive in, but I'll let you kick this off first. I Yeah, I appreciate it. I am not happy with this because I think it's disrespectful to Jordan Kent. Holy shit, we agree. Yeah, no, I think it's disrespectful. I don't think it's fair for somebody in a in a field where there are so few positions where you could possibly go to get work if he wants to do play-by-play he gets the opportunity to do it in the most adverse broadcasting conditions possible we've seen tons of interviews from people who do play-by-play saying this has been the most difficult time 
ever as a broadcaster not being able to call the game live. It's very, very hard. And I don't think it's I don't think it's fair or respectful for the Blazers to let him go. Oh, COVID's over. We're back in person. Okay, bye. Thanks. Like, yeah. I don't think that that's fair at all. And I, I, that's not to say anything about his skill or Calabro's skill. It's just that right there. Like, you have to give someone an opportunity to grow into their job in an actual, normal, in-person environment and then make the call. They should have given him that. I think it's disrespectful. Yeah, for me, I just don't like the optics of the move. Like, unless Kent went into it and went into this job knowing that it was, like, still only a fill-in role, it just seems dirty to me. I mean, Calabro basically retired, and even though he was considered one of the best at it, especially on a national level, I mean, he's called finals games. He's called NCAA championship games. We we know his, his resume and whatnot. Canning Kent, when he was just getting started it just it doesn't seem right and you know i i liked calabro you know he'd been here for what he four years basically three and a half technically i think 2016 is when he started but i mean i liked him but he just always had that national vibe to him and like i i know i'm not the first person to say this but i completely agree with the opinion like when he would welcome you in he would welcome you to portland oregon as you're watching on nbc sports northwest this is the local team feed you don't need to tell us where we're watching the game from we damn well know where we're watching the game from he just always had that national feel to him you know and i understand that when they made the change regardless of how you feel about the the firing of mike and mike i don't think any of us like that you know i will for my fandom i will always consider mike and mike as as my announcer guys it's going to be mike and mike and wheels that's who i that's who i always think about with blazer broadcasting and that's by the way no offense to travis travis absolute fantastic guy uh he's doing great but um you know, it was it was long rumored that with Paul Allen being a Seattle guy, he and Calabro being a Seattle guy, that's why he made the push to get Calabro. But again, it's just he retired. This seems dirty. I don't like it, and I, yeah, I, I don't know. It no, just I, doesn't, it it doesn't sit right with me. I don't like it either. Uh, for all the reasons that you just said, um, to talk specifically about Jordan Kent's skill. He definitely got better again, which is why I would like to have seen him call games in real life. It's possible that he would have been even better with more experience and actually being able to see the games. Because again, I, I can't repeat this enough that people who do this for a living are saying that it's almost not impossible, but it's very, very hard to not do it live. And so he should have gotten that chance. I will also say about Kevin Calabro. I think that he is great. He has a lot of skill. I appreciate him. I think that he is well-respected around the league. And so particularly we're in an era where the NBA and teams, you know, their games are on league pass a lot. And so people are experiencing other teams, broadcasters more frequently than they may have in years past. And then he's well-respected around the league. I was never like the biggest Kevin Calabro guy, but I also didn't dislike him. I I appreciate an announcer who is a little bit of a homer, like just a tiny bit at least. Like not not full Mike Rice. <laughs> not well, not full Mike Rice, although I think that that had its time and place. But for example, I think if, they should have let him drink more. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I for me, if it were me, the best combination right now in 2021 of, of Blazers broadcasting would be Lamar Hurd on the color commentary with Mike Barrett. I think that would be oh, such oh. an incredible combination because Mike Barrett, super professional, super great at his job. Also, you know, a little bit of a homer. He's got some personality there. Um, and I think that he and Lamar Hurd would play off each other so well. That's not going to happen. It's a pipe dream. That would be great. Um, yeah, and it I, does. Yeah. I was gonna, by the way, anybody who wants to hear 
I think Mike Barrett's most uh, kind of raw thoughts or whatnot of how his dismissal went. Uh, Wheels just had him on his podcast here, I want to say a week or two ago. And why am I blanking on the name of Wheels' podcast? Uh, Believe in Blazers. Yeah. It's the okay. Believe in Network, which is weird. B-L-E-A-V. So I think it's called Believe in Blazers, which is okay. a weird yeah, name, I have to just say. just rolls right off the tongue. But, it does uh, not. Yeah, ble- <laughs> but uh, Barrett really opened up about like, how he was informed, what the process was, uh, you know, that they had let Rice go before him and, and all this stuff. And, Mike and, Rice, and, like, didn't really know he was fired when he walked out of the room. Yeah. I love that and, part. Yeah, no. So anybody who wants that history can go go, go back. Uh, one of the things that I'm curious about is, like, is, is broadcasting going to change moving forward? Like, it's funny to think about, but, like... Teams are businesses. They look to cut costs whenever they can. Uh, I'm going to say that because, especially in Blazers broadcasting, uh, the broadcast partners and whatnot travel with the team, but you're still bringing extra camera equipment, studio equipment, all this stuff, uh, is one of the cost-cutting measures is that you've now found that you have the ability to have your broadcasters do this without traveling. Um, like, say they only send Brooke to do the sidelines because that's something that you can't get while, you know, while doing remote, but you have your actual play-by-play guys sitting in a studio. Is, is, is that something that's going to be a little more... A little more normal. And then, too, with Calabro having cited one of his reasons for not wanting to do it besides COVID is he wanted to spend more time with his family. Maybe is that in the works of staying locally or whatnot? Is he going to be allowed to sit in his basement and make calls like or I, I think know. I'm just I'm pontif- pontificating a lot about this, but I'm curious to see how broadcasting is going to change. Kind of like how life in general for you know a lot of remote working and whatnot in office jobs is changing. I think that's actually a great question. I think that it probably changes more for reporters. I I think teams are going to take advantage of that they haven't had reporters in house to really limit access even more and be like, oh, you can hop on our Zoom and like. Oh, not, I hope that goes away. It's not going to because that has a very clear the teams have a priority to keep as much outside reporting away from them as possible because they have their own communications teams their own reporting they don't want negative press they don't want to invite people in to ask questions that may make them look bad so what are you going to do limit access i think that's going to be pretty prevalent but for play-by-play we've heard too many people say this is very hard to do and the product suffers we've seen this right like i've listened to it and like marv albert maybe not the greatest example because he's seven thousand years old but was very clear it wasn't just that he was he was getting older it's it's the fact that he couldn't see it live and it was just odd um so i personally think that that is a cost that they're going to bear because the product is just not good enough without people being there live but i think it's a really important point to make it's like what other kinds of things may stay the same or maybe different from the way that we remember because of this time um of working remotely and stuff yeah i think it's a good point good pontification a good word there pontificate that's like a word of the day calendar right there i I don't think that's that it's that deep of a poll. I, I, I don't know. I don't really use it in everyday conversation. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last, uh, last little bit of topic. And then we got a couple actual questions that came in. You know, I, I think that I asked some great questions on that Twitter thread, but we'll, we got, uh, we got two or three really good questions <laughs> on here, but last little bit of news is that, uh, Damian Lillard is committed to playing, uh, in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Good. Uh, training camp for that starts on July 6th. So fingers crossed when I'm there for 4th of July weekend that I will happen upon some form of NBA party. 
<laughs> yes. Um, but Lillard cited his desire to play for Team USA for the, and this will be the first time in his career that he'll pl- suit up for the Olympic teams. You know, it's always been one of those things where, oh, I was slighted, or oh, this or that or whatnot or whatever. Um, but he cited especially uh, playing or playing under Greg Popovich because he's taken the head coaching reins. Um, other notable players so far that have already committed: Draymond Green, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Stephen Curry. Uh, absolutely that have declined LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler. Uh, there's obviously going to be more. There's a pool of 57 candidates, but, uh, like I said, uh, training camp for this starts on July 6th. I think as things currently stand with where game seven of the NBA finals would be scheduled is that the earliest of anybody who's playing in the NBA finals could join the team would be July 22nd. And that I think is like, a week before the qualifying games yeah. start. So it's it's one of those things where, like, I can understand if, if you end up making a deep a deep run, especially seeing that the league is turning over the start of the season to regular time, uh, you're not going to get a lot of those, which uh, just looking at this list, I'm like, all right, five-guard lineup, go. I, that's what it's <laughs> feeling like to me, too. Yeah. Um, and I think this is great. I think it's great. I think Damian Lillard deserves it. He's earned it. He's good enough. I Memory is serving me. If memory serves, I think that Damian Lillard is a is a proud person. I think he declined it last time because he had been snubbed before. Yep. Some, okay. So I'm glad to see both sides have kind of been like, hey, look, like this is great for Dame. I think it's honestly great for Portland too. This helps <laughs> the Portland it, Trailblazers profile to have somebody on the Olympic team. Well, yes. Like, and it helps a profile. And I mean, go back to, uh, before the big three gathered in Miami, uh, the biggest recruiting pitch that there was, you know, people talk about like players mingling at the all-star game and whatnot. The biggest recruiting pitch where LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch all decided that they wanted to get together to win a ring in Miami was on the Olympic team. You know, this is a great chance for, you know, players to pitch and recruit and whatnot and like nudge people on and be like, Hey, maybe you should demand a trade. Maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're looking at this. We're looking at that. Why don't you come play with me? It's, it's a great recruiting tool, no matter how you think like how cheap or lazy that is. But yeah, you get the national acclaim. If you do great playing for team USA and you get your star players having the ability to go and chat in other people's ear to, to lay some groundwork. And also that's why it's important that, whoever the next coach is had better have Damian Lillard's very, very, very strong blessing so that Dane can use that. If that's what he's going to do, if he's going to try to convince folks, Hey, like what let's team up in Portland, that part of it is like, and we have this rad coach who I believe in, who, you know, is really cool. Like come play with us. Like that's an important part of it too. So still maintain it's Chauncey Billups job to lose. I really think it is unless he wants to go somewhere else. You sound so depressed, but that makes me so excited. I'm not depressed. I, I'm having, I'll be honest, like this is a, a conversation to unpack on a different day because we do, we're running out of time, but I, I, it's hard for me to reconcile his, his past, frankly, with his present. And I think that, you know, we are, for anyone who feels the same way I do, who is just struggling through that, we're, we're probably going to have to get used to it unless Chauncey wants to be somewhere else. Cause it's very clear that he's the mm. number one on the Blazers list from yeah. Neil Olshay to Dame. So yeah, I think we're going to have to, we're going to have to yeah. figure it out. So yeah. Go back two episodes ago. You know, my thoughts, you know, my feelings, you know, yep. you know, I, there's a difference between between stuff but all right well uh we'll wrap this up we got a couple a couple quick questions uh this uh ryan whitledge guy threw out just some absolute zingers that i think i'm gonna <laughs> I, i'm gonna throw in one just one okay. because both you and i qualify for this question are jorts okay to wear after 35 years old 
I think that they're okay to wear if you want to wear them, no matter your age. I'm a big proponent of whatever makes you happy, you should do if it doesn't hurt other people. I personally, I personally wouldn't. But that's also because I want all my clothes to stretch. I need to be able to move. Like, I don't, I'm not going to wear jeans that don't stretch or jean shorts that don't stretch. So maybe if there were a really good, stylish, stretchy pair of jorts, you might see me strutting around in them. They're not my style. But like I say, some Jinko jorts. <laughs> yeah, like Jinko jorts. Oh, man, you could fit so many things in those. Um, so uh, I say, do what, do what makes you happy. That's my answer. Okay. All right. Now onto the real question. So uh, Logan uh, at uh, Logan Akio, if I'm going to yeah. pronounce that right, uh, asks, "How are you enjoying watching the semifinals as a Blazer fan? I'm a little sad that the Jazz, as another small market team trying to maximize their best role players, lost to the team with the best wing player again. Without a superstar or a big market, can a small market team or can a team compete? Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I have not watched a single second of basketball." Since the Blazers have been eliminated, good man. Yeah, uh, I, I have. I, 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 fo- I follow along a lot. Uh, I, I will. I will have uh, Twitter up, tweet deck up, and whatnot, and I follow along with the proceedings. But I have not actually watched a game. Uh, hold on, maybe that's not true. I think I watched a little bit of the the um, the Suns closing out their last series, a couple minutes of that. But that's about as deep as I've gotten in. Uh, also, on that note, so I do apolo- I do have to apologize to Flagrant Mag. Uh, because I was I was the one who started the trend of every time there's a flagrant foul, saying, did somebody say flagrant, and tagging them in it. <laughs> and, a, and apparently they got upset when Jokic got his, uh, his flagrant and his ejection that I did not tag them, and they literally sent us a check-in, uh, are you okay? <laughs> because they didn't hear from us, so That's I apologize funny. to them. Um, but yeah, so... With me, as far as the jazz go, not a big jazz fan, uh, music-wise or team-wise. And I fall into the category of that I have I do not understand why everyone has constantly hyped them up. Uh, I know they had the best record in the NBA, but I wasn't a big fan of their team, so I'm really not surprised that they got their ass kicked. Yeah, I. so I will say the, the question at the end is... Um, Can a team compete without a superstar big market? Yes, the West is super ultra wide open this year, which is why I'm so disappointed the Blazers didn't advance. Because look, like the Clippers are missing Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's huge. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, the Suns. Paul George figured out how to beat playoff P. He finally (laughs) did. Um, And the Suns are really, really good. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But, like, so I don't agree that the dynamic between the Jazz and Clippers was you had the Jazz, a small market team with role players versus the Clippers with a bunch of wings because Kawhi wasn't playing those last two games. Also, Donovan Mitchell was hurt. Also, Mike Conley was hurt. The dynamics of that series were odd. You had some role players on the Clippers step up in a big way. You had Patrick Beverly just bombing threes at last game, like somehow Ty, out of nowhere. Ty, Lu, Ty Lu benches Rondo with Ty Lu playoff Rondo. Ty you Lu, know, yeah, I think that's... And actually, by the way, someone... I'm not a big Ty Lu coaching fan, but he, his adjustments had been... Very, very solid. The Clippers were down 0-2 in both of these series, came back to win. And this one, they won four games in a row. Yeah, it's so... Anyway, I I reject the premise of it being like, oh, small teams are, are not being successful in the playoffs. But I am disappointed that the Blazers couldn't still be there. I, I don't know. It would have been great to see. So, oh, well. Yeah. It's what uh, it is. And again, it's kind of it ties back into something I had said earlier. I don't fully buy the the small market 
big market difference. I do understand there are advantages it for L.A. and New York. Outside of that, you know, I don't think Giannis's career has taken a hit. I don't think Donovan Mitchell's career has taken a hit. I definitely don't think Damian Lillard's career has taken a hit for them playing in small markets. And uh, just as an aside, wasn't it you that I saw the other day that was attempting to argue on Twitter before you had become a better human being about <laughs> the, uh, the media market size of uh, Phoenix, Arizona? Was that a you thing that I saw? I don't. I don't remember why. What was the what was the argument? Phoenix is like a little bigger than Portland, right? It's not that much well, bigger. Well, I think uh, I I don't know why I thought it was you. Maybe it's just because I'm used to used seeing long threads with you arguing about people. But it was talking about <laughs> Phoenix, Phoenix being a small market team, and somebody's like, "Oh, that's the sixth largest city in the country, or whatever." Oh, that's, and it was yeah. it was the difference that's between right. like the media market and the population size. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's right. That. That. that yeah. That's a good point. What, um, was that you? I don't know if it was. I. I had talked about the market size before, um, but I'm not sure what you're describing was me because I don't remember zooming in on Phoenix. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. But uh, either way, whoever that was, they did bring up. The Phoenix good point, is not but- really a small market. Maybe that's the point. I think Phoenix does count as a small market because oh. uh, media media wise, they are smaller, like only a hair above Portland, but. If you're just talking about market size in general, yes, they're a much they're sixth largest city. Obviously, they dwarf Portland. I think they have like four to, four and a half times the population of of Portland. So, yeah, okay. it, it depends on the perspective in which you look at it. All right, next Fair question. Uh, this comes from that genius again, Ryan Whitledge. Who was the best doctor? You said who? one question. Yeah, I'm sneaking another one in. Who is the best Doctor Who? I don't know. I'm not a Doctor Who fan. Sorry. I can't, I can't pod with you anymore. All right, okay. guys. We're wrapping this up here. We'll talk to you later. Uh, uh, Bye. It's, it's, it's David Tennant. It's not even close. I, I've heard of that name, so I'll go, yes. It's, so it's not Benedict, then. He was one of the doctors, right? Benedict Cumberbatch, wasn't he? He, he was never one. Of, he was Doctor Strange in the Marvel Universe. Oh, see, I he don't know, man. Do- oh, All right. Let's, I, I'm not a Doctor Who fan. I'm not saying got, it's bad. I'm just not into I gotta, it. I got to kidnap you for a weekend and just refresh you on all current pop culture. <laughs> I, I probably do need a refresh. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's see. And so final question before we wrap this up. So Matt George Moore from at Matt George Moore. Whose departure would have the least impact on the team's fortunes? Carmelo Anthony, Norman Powell, or Derek Jones Jr.? And then the second part, who will have a bigger impact next season, Anthony Simons or Nasir Little? So part one, who do you think leaving would have the least impact on the team? That's interesting that he went with Derek Jones Jr. Um, so... My immediate thought was to agree with him based on the role that Derek Jones Jr. had last year. But then my second thought is to disagree based on the role he possibly could have under a different coach if he were to develop more. Is he our new Batum? Well, that's actually an interesting comparison, not because they're stylistically the same, but just like a lot of potential and maddeningly inconsistent. Although Batum, to be fair, was a much better player in Portland than Derek Jones Jr. has ever shown. Um, Yes. I'm I'm going to agree because I I do think that like the mellow legacy bonus points actually does have some some influence and some pull around the league at least like maybe marginally for free agent signings for example we haven't seen that actually happen in practice then again the blazers don't have cap space i'm choosing to believe it coming to portland doesn't bode well for marriages apparently apparently not yeah poor (laughs) carmelo and lala are now broken up um that's a bummer but yeah i think i tend to agree with them on the on the first point and then on the second point uh I think it also will be Simons. I think that's also the safe pick. I would like it to be Nasir Little. 
if it were Nasir Little, because Anthony Simons played a, a pretty significant role down the stretch, and I expect him to get better. So if it's Nasir, that means something's going very, very right. So hoping it's Nasir, thinking it's going to be Simons. What about you? Yeah, for me, uh, I have a lot of caveats on mine. Like, for me, I think I I agree with Derek Jones Jr. just because of the diminished role that he did have. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, instinctively, out of my dislike of him on this team i wanted to say him (laughs) but uh for me i can't because that's addition by subtraction so i think that him leaving will have the biggest impact even more so than norman powell (laughs) but uh uh yeah Derek jones jr is 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 probably he he would be the least impactful person to lose uh who will have a bigger impact next season my caveats for this are is nasir little and i don't want to down on him from his covid stuff but he's had a lot of other health issues that we kind of didn't know about you know he had this fainting and uh and whatnot and dehydration spell when it was in the bubble and various other things that i'm pretty sure kept him out of the lineup that we didn't fully hear about the reason why we're just sitting there screaming going why is he a dnp well it's probably because he had some underlying health issue go back and just look at his games it's obvious uh simons depends are we still going to treat simons as a point guard or are we finally going to acknowledge the fact that he's a shooting guard yeah because where you started seeing simon's flourish is when he started playing as a shooting guard when he would be out there with dame and dame was handling the ball the the misconception that sadly uh neil o'shea has of that we have a backup point guard in anthony simons uh that is wrong bob you have a shooting guard that you are forcing to be a a a backup point guard so if the blazers can get somebody like hey say i wanted an austin rivers to or well that's a bad example like a jeff teague or something to come in and actually play a backup point guard role or, or or whatnot and have him out there with Anthony Simons, I think Anthony Simons will have a much bigger impact playing his true role as a shooting guard. Nasir Little, it's all just health dependent, but I agree with you. If he's having a great year, things are probably going fan, either fantastic or completely off the rails, and that's the best we got. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I didn't even <laughs> consider that. If he, if he were doing better than Simons, it's something that could be very, very wrong. Uh, yeah, I mean, and Nasir Little, health dependent, also like development dependent. It's there's, it's so funny. If you were to like, you know, take your five favorite NBA players and think about what they looked like when they just started, and some of them maybe were good right off the jump, right? But most players weren't. And it's, you can sort of see that what Nasir Little looks like right now, you, if you squint, if you really try hard, you can see a very good player there, which obviously the Blazers drafted him thinking the same thing, right? Like a yeah. lot of people really like him for that reason. Um, but we don't know right now what's going to happen. Like, so it's, it's, it's very like kind of, um, you know, multiverse theory. Maybe this tracks with your Doctor Who fandom. But, you know, mm, this this they're crossing streams again. Multi multiverse is the new Marvel thing. So. Okay. Well, geez. I, the point is that like there's a universe in which this year little just kind of is the player he is today. And then there's a universe in which he develops and is amazing. And like, I hope that we are in the second universe and that he's amazing. Um, but yeah, time will tell. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and there is the caveat too, of that. We did know that Stotts did not like to play rookies. So what can his development be under a coach that maybe is a little more, a little more lenient with a uh, rookie playing time than Stotts but was. So in Stotts's defense, I mean, you have a team that always wanted to make the playoffs and rookies are usually not ready to play. Like, I, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're I'm, I would challenge you to go back and look at rookies and their impact this year. 
Uh, this was an odd year for rookies, wasn't it? It feels like yeah. there's like a like everyone is saying the draft wasn't very deep, and all of a sudden there are like a lot of rookies who were actually contributing. So yeah, it was odd. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I know you told me that I needed to do it, but uh, I need you to take us out of here. No problem. Uh, I appreciate you for doing all the homework and all of your research. It made the show much better, and thank you for doing that. Um, and thank you all for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can always do that. Let's help Brian remember for next time. It is at welikeTheBlazers.com or just at LikeTheBlazers on Twitter. And I would love if you were to search for We Like The Blazers on whatever podcatcher you're using, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. I use a a program called CastBox. I don't really care what you use, but if you were to subscribe and leave us a review, if your podcatcher lets you do it for We Like The Blazers, we would like you. So that's pretty much it. Um, Yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I am stalling now because I don't know if you wanted to say something else. (laughs) That was pretty much it from you. Uh, Go Blazers. Go Blazers. Nice. Okay, that worked.